Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, August 23rd, 2019. And on today's report, I will be using the time I have with you to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein case. It has been my decision all along to not discuss the case again because it has become so talked about. It is almost common knowledge. But last Sunday... The New York Times changed my mind. The Sunday print edition of the New York Times carried an article that began on the front page and continued as a full page 18, the article entitled Epstein Feared Misery of Jail in Final Days was well written by three New York Times writers in the fine fashion we have come to expect from the world's greatest newspaper, The article immediately caught my eye because it was a detailed explanation of the last days and last hours of Mr. Epstein's life from the New York Times point of view. I will admit that I had an opinion about the death before I read the article. The article did nothing to change that opinion. My own view of who killed Jeffrey Epstein is I don't know who killed him, but I'm pretty sure who did not kill him, and that was Jeffrey Epstein. I try to follow the reasoning of Sherlock Holmes and look for the impossible. Once you identify the impossible, Holmes said, then the truth must exist somewhere in what's left. Dr. Paul Craig Roberts mentioned in his recent article that the head of CIA counterintelligence once told him that when the CIA pulls off something, it muddies the waters by placing different and conflicting stories in the media. The result is that people end up arguing over which story is correct, so the real story is never investigated. The New York Times story seems like one designed to explain and justify the official narrative of Mr. Epstein's death. The FBI wants to label and investigate those who believe in conspiracy theories as domestic terrorists. One might wonder then exactly Who are these potential domestic terrorists, and what do they believe that has the FBI listing them as potentially terrorists? There's no need to worry about that, folks. We don't have to wonder about it, because the FBI was kind enough to tell us they defined the belief for us. In a letter issued by Phoenix Field Office of the FBI, the letter explains that these are people who, quote, attempt to explain the events or circumstances as a result of a group of actors working in secret to benefit themselves at the expense of others and are usually at odds with the official or prevailing explanation of events, end quote. So, I don't know about you, but that explanation makes my skin crawl. It sure sounds like the Epstein case. What the FBI seems to be saying is that unless you accept the official or prevailing view of events, No matter how many holes are in the story, no matter how impossible the official explanation is, you could be labeled a terrorist. Well, I'm sorry, but that makes me doubt the official explanation even more. There exists all those questions about all the momentous events that have shaped and defined the lives of many of us, but we are never to question the official explanation, no matter how childish it is, no matter how many obvious conflicts and holes are in it. Let's just take a brief look at the Epstein case as an example and the way the New York Times presented Mr. Epstein's official suicide. 
The article contains none of the themes that would conflict with suicide, simply concludes that he could not cope with life in jail, especially since for the first time his vast wealth could not help him. That narrative, however, does not match the actual events that happened before the article and continued after the article. The decision to deny bail to Mr. Epstein, despite having his $50 million New York mansion as collateral, that decision was under appeal. He had reportedly met with his lead attorney, leaving the message said something like, See you Monday. Why would a man intending to kill himself have his bail denial under appeal? The entire arrest and charge in New York stood a good possibility of being ruled illegal due to the charges and the blanket written immunity he bargained for and received in Florida around 2009. In any event, the grant of immunity would have been under appeal for perhaps many years, even if he lost at the district level. It doesn't seem to me that his vast wealth was of no use to him, as the Times article stated. The Times mentioned conditions in his cell, such as austere, vermin-infested, so on and so forth. That should involve a federal civil rights lawsuit, not suicide. He was facing a lawsuit in Florida in efforts to reopen the case where he was granted immunity. He usually just paid off the girls who were teenage victims bought their lawsuits and their silence by another strange coincidence. The judge presiding over the Florida reopened case is now dead. So who knows what would have happened a couple of days before his death. Mr. Epstein did make a will listing assets of roughly $600 million, which is apparently not accurate, not enough. The will was then filed in the Virgin Islands as his last will and testament or as a good cover story. Interestingly, Mr. Epstein had no heirs to leave his money to. Having no heirs, he transferred about $600 million, including $56 million in cash to a 1953 trust, apparently to protect it from public scrutiny. All these things add up to a man fighting to survive, not a man with suicidal depression. The final reason for my no-suicide opinion, was his ace in the hole. That is, he knew who all the visitors to his island were. He knew what they did there. More importantly, he had the evidence in the form of videotaped encounters with underage victims, with the world's richest and most powerful. He also knew where his money came from and how he got it. If he was CIA or Mossad, he knew the circumstances. That all adds up to bargaining power for a much lighter sentence under conditions that would have gotten him released in time to enjoy the rest of his life. His assistant, confidant, pimp, whichever you want to call her, Grizzlane Maxwell, is also still out there. She could be indicted, and either she would have to testify or spend a long time in federal custody, but her father was a Mossad agent, you see. Her father received a state funeral in Israel, so maybe, maybe we shouldn't go after her. That all brings us back to Dr. Roberts' statement that the two possibilities we have to consider are, number one, he's not dead, but is enjoying his post-plastic surgery life in a CIA or Mossad safe house surrounded by a group of 12-year-old girls he was given as a celebration present. That's a disgusting thought. 
but a very real possibility based on a report that I read. And in telehub.com, whether that report is true or not, I can't say, but it's at least food for thought. The other possibility is that he is dead by murder, not suicide. When he allegedly attempted suicide, the first time he told his lawyers he was assaulted by a cellmate who happened to be a psychopathic character accused of multiple counts of homicide, who was also a massive bodybuilder as well as an ex-police officer in response to his supposed suicide attempt, his cellmate was removed to another cell. That man, that cellmate, psycho bodybuilder, now says he has been threatened and that if he says anything about what happened, there would be, quote, a price to pay. He is now pleading to be transferred to another jail because prison guards, he says, are threatening him and telling him, stop talking. Epstein's case can now disappear from the headlines, along with all the others. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? You know, the ones whose mere mention gets you labeled a nut job and a domestic terrorist of people who rape children at Mr. Epstein's invitation can perhaps breathe a sigh of relief now. Those are very powerful people, the ones who make the rules and then hypocritically impose their rules on us but are not required to live by them. They can all breathe easier now. Those people are shocked and outraged when one of us breaks their rules, but they violate them without fear of repercussions. One of the many advantages of power is the license to avoid the rules little people like us are required to follow. Before we leave Mr. Epstein for good, let's spend a couple of minutes with his former butler, Mr. Alfredo Rodriguez, now conveniently dead. The interesting thing about Mr. Rodriguez is that in Mr. Epstein's original case, down in Florida, he was subpoenaed to deliver documentary evidence to the local Florida police as well as the FBI. He said he had the holy grail of information, including a bound book with hundreds of victims listed with their phone numbers. He thought he was speaking to a confidential informant so he asked for 50 grand for the book, $50,000 he wanted. The informant was actually an FBI undercover agent. Mr. Rodriguez told the FBI he witnessed it all, including nude pool parties with underage girls, hundreds of underage girls on Mr. Epstein's computer. The FBI said they found his information truthful. The interesting thing is that the FBI did not seek an indictment against Mr. Epstein only. Mr. Rodriguez, Mr. Epstein served 13 months of a sweetheart sentence, and Mr. Rodriguez served 18 months under normal conditions. The co-conspirators are all now using the old Sergeant Schultz defense of, I know nothing, I saw nothing, I heard nothing, I was never there. This is despite a lot of documentary evidence to the contrary, the sworn testimony of many victims, but who cares about the victims anyway? Who cares about what they say after all? They were just children at the time. They're now just trying to profit from the misery of others. I had high hopes that this case could be used to pry open the dark secrets of the heinous people who live in the open but do horrible things, all without fear of sanction. This could be a good case for the American people to reassert their authority over government, but it seems it will not be so, the FBI tells us. 
If we don't accept their version of the case as true, then we're no better than the domestic terrorists. Not everyone seems to actually believe the official version. 42% say they believe he was murdered, and those who say they follow the case closely, 56% believe he was murdered. Sometimes it seems as if the elite live out in the open and commit their crimes in the open. Crimes of the most heinous nature right in front of our eyes because they know there's nothing we can do about it. They also know we are so distracted by social media, by making a living by sports and family problems, that we have very little left. It all just seems like another risque soap opera or a reality show that we don't even think of as real. Finally, folks. We're told by Attorney General Barr that he will continue the investigation and that those who might be guilty should not rest easy, so I suppose we're expected to be happy about that. A few low-level heads have roles, such as the director of prisons. We're supposed to accept their sacrifice as enough. Hopefully, lots of heads will roll, including all the guilty, wherever located. I'm not naive enough to think that will really happen. So he was murdered. Did he murder himself, or is he still alive? Those are the questions that have answers. But odds are we will never know what those answers are. Then apparently, apparently, that's the way the power likes it. Before I go, however, I would like to leave you with a final look, just one final look at who these people really are. It galls me just as much to think of the guilty elite in their offices, in their boardrooms, laughing about it all, as it does to think of Jeffrey Epstein in a CIA Mossad safe house. It is an appalling indictment of our society and our globally connected world when thousands, possibly millions of children just disappear. Nothing is ever done about it. Some poor parents even sell their children to the slavers and the rapists, as three French mothers apparently did with their 12-year-old daughters given to Mr. Epstein as a birthday present, according to witness testimony. Hopefully it will gall a few besides me, but I won't hold my breath, folks. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.